0: It's Monday, September 13th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Jason Moser. Good to see you. Good to see you.
1: How did we get to the middle of September so quickly? (laughs) Time travel? I mean, it feels that way. It feels that way. This year is just, uh, all of a sudden, here we are in the back half of it.
0: And before you know it, it's going to be earnings season again. Not today, though. Uh, Today, (laughs) we have More football business to discuss, uh, along with a preview of Apple's event on Tuesday. But we're going to begin today in Hollywood. Disney announced it will release the rest of its films this year exclusively in theaters first, and will not stream them on Disney Plus for at least 30 days. This comes in the wake of Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings becoming the highest grossing film ever over Labor Day weekend. And we've been talking about this for a while. I've, I've been saying for a while now, I don't think anyone has quite figured this out. And when I say anyone, I'm including Paramount and Comcast. I feel like Disney's getting close. With this move, I feel like Disney is zeroing in on what is going to be their policy because they set this record while the pandemic is still going on and maybe that was enough evidence on top of everything else that's happened over the past year and a half for them to say okay we've got we're not going to carve it in stone yet but for the foreseeable future this is going to be our policy with movies
1: yeah i mean I, I i think that you know we're starting to see at least um we're starting to see at least some some writing on the wall here. And what I mean by that is is we're seeing signs. And that based on, on those movies that you quoted, a uh, Free Guy and Shang-Chi and, and whatnot, we're starting to see signs that there are a lot of folks who are more than ready to, to really start moving forward. And, and and a lot of a lot of them have already started doing so. I mean, if you've paid attention the last couple of weeks, uh, just to college football in the NFL, I mean, we're seeing football stadiums packed we're seeing concerts happening, we're seeing people excited to get out there and go do stuff. And and so, I, I don't think this is a decision they make lightly. I think it's one they make in in looking at the landscape and saying, you know what, it's starting to look like people are a little bit more willing uh, to go out there and do things uh, vaccinated versus non-vaccinated, I'm sure plays into that. And I think that when you talk about the pandemic, it's difficult just to lump the entire country into one Group right. I think much like real estate, we're at the point right now where COVID ultimately is about location, location, location. I mean, some places are far better than others, and so this I think is a smart move. I mean, it, it, you know, when you when you think about the movie theater business, obviously it's been impaired for the past couple of years, but. They, you know Disney has a lot of choices. movie theaters don't right? Disney was able to fall back on throwing these releases out to streaming and at least monetizing to some degree and getting that content out there. Movie theaters aren't they don't they don't share that same luxury, and so you know Disney is a partner in this value chain, and, and I'm sure that they understand and they, and they they consider the fact that their success certainly impacts the success of other partners in this value chain, and so I don't I don't know that any of us were ever really arguing that that the movie theater experience was was going to disappear. It it may be a shrinking market opportunity, but it's still. A fairly big market opportunity in the context of the entertainment industry. So to me, this makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's not something like you said; it's not etched in stone. Uh, It's a very fluid situation. But they're seeing signs that I I think lead them to believe that this is a sensible decision to make for right now. And if they need to pivot again, they obviously have the capability to do that. Um, But but on the whole, I mean, I'm really happy to see this. I mean. I might go to the movie theaters a couple of times a year, uh, but you know when I go, I, I enjoy it, and so I, I do look forward uh, to being able to go back and, and catch a, a movie this fall. And uh, hey, listen, I mean Disney Disney's known for putting some pretty good content out there, so I think this, this fall we should have uh, have a few choices.
0: And they do have some big name films coming between now and the end of the year. They've got another Marvel movie with the Eternals. They've got the remake of West Side Story. You mentioned the movie theaters. I mean, those are the stocks that are moving on this news. AMC up five percent. Cinemark up eight nine percent. So they, I'm, they have to be hoping that other major studios come out and make similar announcements. But, um, um, and you know, and Disney. Shares up a little bit on a day when the market is slightly down. So, um, you know, as a Disney shareholder, look the the box office receipts. There's nothing like the box office receipts. <laughs> yes, it's great to you know get more subscribers to Disney Plus, but uh, there's a reason this entire industry, the economics of it, has been based on box office receipts all this time.
1: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it it's become very clear that I, I mean. This isn't when they offer the opportunity for movies to be released in the theaters as well as via the Disney Plus platform for streaming uh, concurrently. I mean that that's not additive. I mean it's kind of taking from one bucket and putting in the other, right? I mean this is leading to some cannibalization of 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 theater ticket sales, and and you know that's that's ultimately that's that's not really the goal, right? I mean so. I think you. I think you're right. I think that as we see, uh, as we see more studios, more providers start dipping a toe in the water, start getting back into the theater experience. I think that you start to see more and more start to take that take that uh, that that leap as well. I think in the case of Disney, in, in in a select few others. I mean, the the thing to remember with with a company like Disney. Is they have choices. They they know now that if something comes up, they can pivot immediately. They have the ability to do that. Now, obviously, the movie theaters don't. They're in a they're in a much different situation uh, in regard to this market, and and that's another discussion for another time. But when it comes to Disney, when it comes to Warner Brothers, I mean, when you talk about these these content providers, more and more they're finding that between the digital channels. In the theater channels, they've started to kind of get this process down. They have options, and I think that's ultimately what you want to really remember. Because it's it's not to say that we're out of the woods yet. I mean, we we may be, we may not be. I mean, time will tell. Uh, But but it's very clear that folks are starting to get a little bit antsy. They want to get back out there and do things, and and so having the ability to go ahead and make these make these decisions, knowing that you've kind of got that. You've got that card in your in your in your back pocket there, where you can rely on the digital digital distribution if you need it. That that I'm sure is a very uh, a very appreciated luxury by companies like Disney for sure.
0: Back in May, Amazon agreed to pay one billion dollars a year to become the exclusive home of Thursday night football games. Today, we get reports that Amazon is looking to buy the rights for the NFL's Sunday ticket package which has been on T V for nearly 30 years. Um, if this happened, it would start in the fall of 2023, and reportedly Amazon is going to pay somewhere in the neighborhood of 2 to $2.5 billion a year for the rights to the Sunday ticket package. And if they do that, uh, one place people can watch the NFL is apparently on the new Amazon branded televisions, which are coming next <laughs> month, so we'll get to the televisions in a second. But what do you think of this story? Because I, I, I shouldn't be surprised, but I am a little surprised just because Amazon has been pretty methodical in the way that they have entered different markets, and the you know what we saw back in the spring with them getting into. You know the the exclusive rights for Thursday night football. That was you know they they already had non exclusive rights. Now they're getting. I, I'm I have to say I'm a little surprised that they are at least the betting favored right now to land the rights for this.
1: Well, I mean it turns out there's a lot of value in having basically two core businesses that the world has come to rely on. Right. I mean you've got retail and cloud. I mean those are two prongs to Amazon's business that ultimately are going to be very, very difficult to to fully disrupt or supplant. I mean, it's obviously retail and cloud very competitive industries, but given Amazon's position in both markets, consumers around the world have really come to rely on them and, and ultimately what that does, I mean, that gives Amazon just this this opportunity to take bigger risks to try new things. And and more importantly, they they can they can feel like they can fail. Without truly jeopardizing the business, because they they are are so good at what they do in regard to those two core pieces of the business and retail and cloud. Um, I mean, Amazon clearly has grand aspirations of getting getting into the entertainment business and really being a, a major name in the entertainment business. I mean, NGM, obviously. I mean, we we've seen their their efforts here as far as the NFL goes, and and I think when you look at the NFL, I mean, even when even in the day and age where we talk about the concerns with the NFL regarding injuries and and, and, and the nature of, of the game, it it is just darn resilient, isn't it? I mean, it, it is a league that just continues to really perform in in ultimately financially perform very well. I mean if you go back to two thousand and nineteen, let's just skip two thousand and twenty for a minute because obviously that was a bit of a different different animal in, in the advertising market Had its challenges in 2020, but if you look at 2019, the regular season for the NFL, NFL TV networks brought in almost five billion dollars in advertising revenue. That was up 14 percent from a year ago, from the previous year. So you know it really just boils down to economics, and is would Amazon be able to make those numbers work? And if the league is looking for two and a half billion dollars annually for that package. Uh, you, you could see you could see a number of different ways Amazon could work to monetize that, and, and they're not all going to be direct forms of monetization either, right? I mean, they could sell advertisements uh, f- for the games, obviously, but th- then you you have to figure out a way to quantify. Additional prime members that it may bring in, additional retail sales that it may stoke due to targeted advertising uh, that they're able to that they're able to utilize. Uh, So I I mean, I think all things considered, I mean, it's amazing to me when you think about the economics in play here, and then you look at what Directv has been doing with this Sunday ticket for I think something like 27 years, and it's just a it's just a constant money loser. For Directv, I mean, it. it, I I would love to have NFL Sunday Ticket, but I'm never going to get Directv. (laughs) Now, all of a sudden, Sunday Ticket has become a potential reality for someone like me because we're a Prime member. I've got an Amazon Fire Cube, and 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 we're we're just uh we're we're stuck in that Amazon ecosystem. I think for the rest of my days on this earth. Uh, so for me, it's not surprising to see that they want to try this, um, particularly in the context of something that has been such a money loser for direct TV through the years. Amazon can afford those money losers. DirecTV, they they don't they don't necessarily have that same luxury.
0: What do you think of the television? Because I, I sort of shook my head when I saw the reports that they were coming out with a TV. Not that I thought it would flop, not that I thought this is going to be like their you know their phone that they tried years ago, um, but uh, I I understand the move more now uh, when I read an article about how you know part of the rationale for Amazon with the television and these are these are not cheap devices these are devices that you know these are televisions that are going to cost anywhere from three hundred seventy dollars to eleven hundred dollars. But part of the rationale for Amazon. Makes a lot of sense. It's basically we, they want this to be as seamless a process as possible for people who are using the Fire Stick, already have an Alexa in their home, um, and there are those points of friction. And it, you know, it's it's that same ethos that, in the earlier days of Amazon, had Bezos completely focused on, the website of Amazon.com and reducing those points of friction and. Uh, You know, if that's the reason, then it's a good reason. How do you think they're going to be measuring success on this one?
1: Um, So I don't think that they look at this TV and they think, "Oh, this is something that can really drive uh, the bottom line on its own." For example, I mean, I think this is it's it's absolutely a a gamble worth taking. I think. I mean, they they are ultimately, in simplest terms, they're just going more vertical. Right, we talk about companies that are vertically integrated, which essentially means they're controlling that supply chain. They have more control over the production, they have control over their IP, it protects the business a little bit more. I mean, this essentially at the end of the day is similar to that in that a consumer that buys an Amazon television is gonna be more locked into that Amazon ecosystem than someone who might just be using the fire stick or the cube. And the reason I say that, I mean, say so for example Here at our house, we have a a television. We have an LG TV on our wall, and we're using the Amazon Fire Cube. Now, there's nothing that stops me from going out tomorrow and buying a Roku device and just switching over to Roku. And I don't do that just because we've been using this Amazon Cube forever and we're just for Amazon customers and it works and we know how to use it and I get the interface and, and all that. Uh, but it, it doesn't stop me from changing. Now, you get that Amazon television, you're a little bit more locked in and they have a little bit more control over you. And, and that. I mean we we could we could talk about the puts and takes of that. I mean certainly uh, it's not all it's not all sunshine and lollipops for the consumer. Uh, you're giving up a little bit there. But you look at companies like the Trade Desk, for example, and you talk about that connected television opportunity, I mean, the Trade Desk I mean another another tremendous recommendation in our foolish universe a stock a stock that I've owned for for a while now as well uh, and one that I'm very uh, in- encouraged by because of that opportunity in connected television I mean connected TV ad spending is is set to surpass 13 billion dollars this year um, I mean it is one of the fastest growing segments in digital advertising and the goal ultimately I mean this this is the forecast is for it to hit 25 billion by 2024 and so. Amazon views this and they say, "Okay, well, how can we, how can we own a little bit more of that connected TV opportunity?" This is one way to do that. Uh, whether it whether it works for them or not, I think ultimately really does depend on the technology because the technology isn't perfect. I mean, I will say, uh, you know, we we've experienced with that Cube device before, for example, that certain apps. Uh, don't respond as well to the voice command as others. Now, I imagine over time that gets better, uh, but but I think this is something that it's it's a reasonable it's a reasonable bet for them to make uh, when you consider the potential benefits. This is not something that's going to be something it's it's not something that's going to drive immense profitability for the business. It, it could, in theory uh be another loss leader i mean amazon i think is just the king of the loss leader though right they've done so well to this point building this business on that loss leader concept it's it's hard to argue that this would be a move not worth trying because you brought up the phone before the phone to me seemed like an instant failure before it ever even started, and that's because they're launching into this ecos They're launching into this this market where there's already two primary ecosystems in the Android and the i the I- iOS. Uh, so folks are either using Android phones or, or Apple phones, and it's just very difficult to disrupt that at that point. There's no reason for someone necessarily to switch to an Amazon phone here. TV, it's it's not the same thing, right? I mean. It's 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 a little bit of a different it's a little bit of a different device, and so so to me it ma- it makes sense to certainly to certainly try um, because it it could absolutely yield some some very helpful uh, results over the course of time, particularly when you consider that connected television advertising spend if it, if it grows that those if it grows the way it's forecast to it's 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 going to be something that could be meaningful over time.
0: I'll just add real quick for anyone looking for more on the business of football uh, on the most recent episode of Motley Fool Money, uh, I talked with Andrew Brandt, uh, former NFL executive. Uh, he's from the uh, the law school at at Villanova. Uh, runs the Morehead, I think it's Morehead Center, um, and hosts a. Sports business podcast and just a lot of great stuff as always from Andrew Brandt. So check that out when you get a chance. Real quick before we wrap up, Tuesday, 10 a.m. Pacific time, Apple is going to have their event. I was watching uh, Joanna Stern from the Wall Street Journal this morning. Um, She made the point last year with the iPhone 12 that was sort of the big refresh cycle. This year, she's expecting it to be incremental, you know, and that's okay because people. Most people aren't uh, refreshing their iPhone every year. For a lot of people, it's on a three or four year cycle. But is there anything in particular you're going to be watching for with Apple's event on Tuesday?
1: Sadly, Chris, not really. I mean, is it? I, I'd be interested to know your perspective here because maybe I'm being a little harsh. But whenever I hear of this Apple event year in and year out over the last several years, I mean, I cannot help it. The first image that comes to mind. It's Arthur Fonzarelli in midair with those water skis jumping that stupid shark. It feels like this event has jumped the shark, Chris has it not?
0: It's interesting I think the I think the certainly the the pandemic has made so many people and so many companies rethink the nature of work and 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 events and that sort of thing. so I do think that. Certainly, the excitement has waned with with Apple's event. That being said, I think the you know what it means for a business of this size. It, I think it still matters in part because they can never let up. Yeah. Apple is so dominant, and part of what that means is they just can't let up. So even though experienced, smart observers of this industry like Joanna Stern and others, even though they're not expecting you know, a lot of brand-new bells and whistles, it doesn't mean they can sleepwalk through this. Yeah. They got to come to the table with enough new features that make people say, okay, we were expecting incremental upgrades, that's what we got. It checked the box and we can all move on. Yeah, I, th-
1: I think that's it. I think that most of us go into these events now with this this idea that really it's going to be some incremental improvements i mean the camera's going to be a little bit better uh the device is going to be a little bit faster and and, and that's that's all fine and dandy i mean to me Yes, the event has lost its allure, it's lost its wow factor, but it is marketing, pure and simple, right? I do get it. I I'm not saying it's something they need to stop. I th- I feel like maybe it's something they could get creative and perhaps approach it from a different angle. I don't know. I mean, uh but but I think that generally speaking, um I, th- there's nothing out there that I'm really Looking to be wowed by, I think they're going to introduce some incremental improvements to the products that matter most: the phone, uh, iPads, uh, AirPods, the the watch. Um, they're probably setting themselves up for a pretty good holiday season. Maybe you'll get some. Maybe you'll get some good holiday season ideas. Um, you know, I, I I think that for Apple though, it really is all it is. It, we're waiting for that next lightning in a bottle product. You know, we're waiting for that next iPhone moment where you think, "Oh my word!" That just you know, they roll a car out there, or they roll out some phenomenal. I mean, honestly, this may not be sexy, but just just some massive leap forward in battery technology. I think for me would be phenomenal because I think that's everybody's concern. Um, particularly when you look at something like the watch. The watches which have done pretty well. Um, but when you start adding more functionality to that watch, I mean, now you're talking about something that needs to be on all the time, 24-7, and that is a virtual impossibility as it stands. Um, so, I, yeah, I feel like to me, I, I'm always impressed with with battery technology, just because I think we all want a little bit more power. Um, but but yeah, generally speaking, I think we just kind of we we're looking for the same old sort of incremental improvements. They're going to say the camera's a little bit better, and you can do this or that with it. And it's it's not going to really impact most of us, but it's going to be another good opportunity for them to get out there, showcase their technology, the products and services that they they just continue to do so well with. Right? I mean, I, I feel like. Um, it's one of the most important companies in the in the world, and I think that's for a number of reasons. And I think we're going to see a lot of those reasons on display tomorrow.
0: Jason Moser, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show's mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.